Welcome to HeroClix Borderlands. I'm your host, Shay McClure, bringing you the meta-casual perspective on HeroClix, sharing my insights, thoughts, and experiences with other players who love this awesome game at all levels, just like I do. Whether you are playing a casual home game, local tournament, or at a regional or national event taking on the latest meta team, this is the podcast for you. All comments, suggestions, or questions can be directed to our email at lostinclicks at gmail.com. Also, you can private message me, because I'm the only one doing this, on AC Realms under the idea of Colossus TN, or a better way to contact me is to go to our Facebook page of HeroClix Borderlands, where you can message me or just read the latest articles and videos I've run across about this wonderful game. This is episode 39, and it is called Rudy. Yes, the underdog story about a boy who had a dream and he actually fulfilled it. It might not have been a championship, but he did get in the game and record a sack. So we are talking about Rudy. And when I think about Rudy, I think about the local level. Now I have my good friend, John Carl, who I met through this podcast. Uh, We started talking, we've been good friends, and we talk about every other day about Heroclix, about life. And I brought him on to kind of talk about it because he's a rock judge. He's a judge at a local venue. And we just want to talk about this local problem and also discuss a brand new announcement that just came from the Rock World Cup. Now, it's been forever since I've done a podcast. And I know that I have missed it. When I sat down and started to talk, I just got so excited. Sorry, I've had to drop off the face of the earth for the last three months. Uh, just been a little bit of a struggle, been a little bit hard, but I'm back. I'm in, having a good time. I mean, I can't wait to get this podcast started again. If it's just me and a couple of people, that's great. We'll get to talk about Heroclix. Please just tune in, listen in, and see what we go over about this new ep- a new turning point in Heroclix where I believe the Rudy can come out. All right. So just sit back and enjoy it as I bring John Carl on. All right. Here clicks lovers. This is Shay McClure, and I am here with John Carl. Yes, John Carl from Michigan. Is that right, John? That's right. That's what I thought. So, uh, Wolverine or Spartan? Oh, I'm a Spartan all the way. Okay, Michigan State, man. Yeah, it was a bad weekend, but we knew that was coming. So. All right, all right, okay. Okay, we're not here to talk about football. We're here to talk about Heroclix. And me and John Carl met through this podcast, and I thought I'd bring him on because he has a lot of knowledge, and he does a lot of things on the local level. And I wanted to talk to him about it, and I was so happy to have you on. So great to have another p- person that listens to the podcast and loves Heroclix. Just get on and pick your brain and see what's going on. But as always, I start all my guests with a critical hit of questions. 12 questions that you need to answer in order to, you know, help us get to know you. So you ready for your critical hit? Yep, shoot. All right. So uh, your number one question, when did you... Uh, when did you start playing the game and what set was it? I started shortly after uh, the release of Supernova. Um, my brother came to me one day and he's like, hey, you want to try this game? And I was like, I guess so. And it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, played up to uh, when the uh, break happened. And then I took a break and got back in with uh, the Batman series and been playing ever since. Got it in my first uh, organized play with Fear Itself. Oh, that's awesome. I miss Fear Itself. I, I think that was a, I hate I missed that one, but Supernova was an awesome set, if I remember correctly, had the Silver Surfers in it. Love that. It did have Silver Surfers in it. Oh man, I think that's our last 
version of the Silver Surfers, unless you count the one that was in Galactic Guardians, that was a World Breaker friend. Is that did that was that in Galactic Guardians? It was. He was uh, a chase in that one as the keeper. Okay, there we go. Okay, so what was your attraction to HeroClix? Like I said, originally it was my brother just getting into the game and coming to me and saying, hey, I need somebody to play against with this game. And, you know, we started playing and it just snowballed from there. I got into it more than he did. He got out quite a while ago and just never got back into it. And... You know, I got out of magic one day and said, hey, let's try clicks again. Hey, and I hear that a lot. A lot of magic players leave, leave magic and go over to a, a gateway game like Hero Clicks. Still competitive, still has some elements of it, but not as collectible or. Well, in this case, it was uh, at the time I was playing both. Uh, clicks and magic and i had to focus in on one or the other and i decided on clicks because i like the community a lot better than uh, the magic community oh that can be a little bit uber competitive uh, uber competitive that's a nice way to say it right as yeah. <laughs> all right so that's no one and two so let's go to the third one what was the first figure you pulled the first figure i pulled was uh veteran photon Oh, wow. Okay, Veteran Photon. I got a lot of miles off of him before, you know, it was kind of like, okay, we need to start looking at the power creep here that's even coming out in Monsters Mutations and the other sets and started moving on from there. But Photon was on quite a few of my early teams. Okay, yeah. Well, I can see why. Photon was an awesome piece. Very awesome. He was the veteran version of Captain Marvel. Is that right? Yes. There yes. you go. I remember him. He's all black with stars on him. Anyway. All, all black, blue fists, and one big white star in his chest. There we go. Okay, number four. What person would you love to play against in a high-level Heroclix match? All right. PJ Bolin, hands down. Oh, I will say he is an awesome player to play against. I played against him at uh, the Worlds, and he was super awesome, a lot of fun to play, and was very helpful. So I, th- I-, I love playing him. He was. Really I mean, cool. I've been to a couple events where he's been there, and we just never got paired off against each other. I've been at an event where I judged, and he was there, and he just he's an awesome guy. I would love to play a game against him. All right, and he's so creative too, and he's oh, very, yeah. and he's very helpful to you. You know, so while you're playing. So that's pretty cool. All right, number five. What is your favorite power in Heroclix and why? Super strength. I was more a fan of it uh, originally with uh, being able to pick up that ultra heavy and just, you know, go all sorts of Hulk smash. Um, I like it just as much now because of the whole knockback power that they added to it. It doesn't make it completely redundant after your objects are gone. So I've, I've always stuck with super strength. I love finding figures that have super strength on it and trying to abuse it. All right. And, and you're right on that knockback is not utilized enough because that, that is a key element of that super strength that can kind of make a difference. So Yes, it can. Okay. What is your favorite? And this is the last one of this die of questions so what is your favorite map to play on well originally my favorite map to play on was the arena which was the map that came out in monsters and mutations and uh it was a gigantic four-player map it was something that i you know once uh i found the clicks community 
it was something that we really liked playing on because you get more than two players going on it. Just wide open map, a little bit of elevated, a little bit of uh, blocking in the center. But oh, yeah, uh, yeah it, it was definitely one of my favorite maps to play on. More recently, it's been the uh, Let Them In Wakanda States map. Okay, uh, I've not been able to play on many WKO maps, and that's due to the lack of WKO players in my area. But I think I know that one. It's a WKO map, right? It's a rock map. Rock map, sorry, rock map, yes. I, that's what I meant to say. Oh, well, I, a lot of stuff going on in my head tonight. So yeah, anyway, no problem. But yeah, Wakanda. So um, that sounds like a cool map, and then... This will start our second dive question. What is your favorite comic book and why do you like that comic book? Um, so this one I had to think about for a little bit because I really didn't get into comics until after I got into HeroClix. Um, so, but uh, the most recent one that I've read that I'm a really big fan of is uh, Punisher versus Daredevil. Or not Daredevil, I'm sorry, Punisher versus uh, Deadpool. Um, it seems to be really well written. It uh, had a couple of Deadpool quips in it, but it, it just seemed like a really good series. The other one that I really like is uh, Angela. Okay. The uh, Queen of Hell series. Yeah, isn't that the... She poured it over from... Um, who was it? McFarlane? I believe so. Technically, yes, and technically, no. She was reintroduced into Marvel via Original Sin. Okay. And uh, uh, she got her own comic series after the Original Sin, Loki, and Thor miniseries. Okay, cool. I, I, I find that very interesting. I was into comic books before I got into Heroclix and kind of got drawn to Heroclix because I love comics. And I was out of comics, but where I read them at a younger age, seeing those figures... It's kind of nice to hear of somebody that picked up Heroclix and then all of a sudden took up some comic books. Yeah, I mean, when I uh, started with Clicks, the uh, venue I was always going to, they were they were a gaming shop, not a comic shop. So okay. they dealt in sports cards, magic cards, miniatures, D&D, stuff like that. None of the comic book shops in the area, they were just comic book shops they really didn't do much when and on the side of gaming so uh yeah it just it took me a while to get into the comics because i had to track down a couple of uh shops in the area that actually carried stuff i'd be interested in yeah i know uh with secret world coming out i mean secret wars battle world man i shouldn't tape late at night anyway with the secret wars battle world uh set coming out i actually went to my local venue and ordered my um, first uh, trade paperback of the Secret Wars. And he said, we'll start you with that one and then see if you like it. So I was like, cool. That's the best way to do it. And if you're going back in series, that's how I've been doing it with a lot of mine. I go to the trade paperback section first. Um, my local uh, shop basically gets very, very few of the new comics. So it's slim pickings on actually getting the newer ones so i just wait for the trade to come out and then catch up yeah i know during my break with um hero clicks i had a small break with hero clicks where i st hard to believe but i collected the sets but i never did get to play but i was reading comic books left and right and then uh, a couple of series got on my nerves so i kind of 
scaled that down to nothing. I'm trying to get back into it a little bit, but yeah, I kind of like to trade paperback. So I can sit down and read more like a novel than a we a monthly series. So right. Okay. Let's go to two. And this is an interesting one. I've I've had people, you know, this is the Illuminati I talk about. And you're joining and you're being inducted into the Illuminati. So as an Illuminati member, what Illuminati would you be and why? So I know Brett already kind of took this one, but I'm still going to go with the Hulk. I'm just going to go with Amadeus Cho, the totally oh. awesome Hulk. Oh, wow. So the reason I like the Hulk as much as I do with comparison to this would be I am a straightforward tentpole player. I always enjoyed my first rock tournament I went to. I took the 300 point uh, uh, Hulk out of the avengers movie set i got wrecked but i had a great time running him <laughs> you know that's part of it run what you love that's what i say that's cool so you, so you love the hulk because he's a one-man wrecking crew that's that's the thing is i just you know every time a new set comes out the first thing i look for is the hulk in it and if there's a Hulk. I try to get him. You do. You do chase the Hulk. You chase him down. I, I, I'm sure you're excited to see Maestro out there. Oh, yeah. No, I've, I got to use him in uh, one of the pre-releases I got to be in, and I ran him, World Breaker, and Nick the Fury, and the only thing that wrecked my day was Agamotto. There you go. There you go. And I'm telling you, it's a very solid – people just let you know in a sealed – Maestro scares everybody. That's he about is, it. He is tough in a sealed. He's just bringing so much pain. He can one-shot people. I mean, there's a lot of matchups he does really well. Okay, so let's go to three. Are you a prob or perplex man? You know, when I was a noob, I was a big-time prob guy, and I would always chase those big numbers and have two or three probbers on the team. But as the more competitive I've gotten into it, I've become more and more a perplexed man, and it's always nine times out of ten, it's into attack. Hey, I hear you. It's either into attack, or if you're doing multiple attacks, it's into it's down in somebody's defense, so that basically you're giving it to everybody. Oh yeah. Uh, and with the changes to perplex, where they stick around, you remember back in the day, as soon as you healed or was damaged, the perplex went away. Now it stays until the end of the turn. That modification becomes huge. Oh yeah, no, it's I actually had to fight a uh, a judge on that at one of my pre-releases. He thought it just went away still. So that was something that, especially with the new uh, Baron's ability, having that there is especially in a pre-release, having that plus or minus two there. That's huge. It's huge. It is. And especially with the, like, the advent of Unimon, the advent of Red Leader, all this Perplex out there, it's starting to make gains against Prob. But I would say you need Prob or Perplex on your team, one or the other. You need it. Oh, yeah. Okay. What is your favorite point value for a game and why? 400. Whenever I run my events at uh, my venue, because I judge at my venue, I – much rather do a 400 than a 300 point it just it opens a lot more doors it gives you the ability to use some of those characters that you normally don't see um i mean there's a lot of people that uh the new spider queen that just really she's 200 points you run a 300 game you're probably not going to see her you run a 400 you have a good chance of seeing that spider queen out there because it's only half your build total instead of three uh, two thirds 
Yeah, and 400 keeps the Swarm team around, too. I think at 500, Swarm team gets, uh, I won't say unmanageable, but it's just a little bit tougher. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And, yeah. and and then your bigger pieces start to really start to pile on. So I, I do like the 400, 300, 400. 400 is really cool, especially with the new 175, 185-point pieces, 200-point uh, pieces, like you said. You know, your ability to run uh, – Dormammu and Loki at 150 on a 400 point team's not that bad because you can also put a 175 point Thor Odinson on there. Yeah, exactly. And the two of them meshing together to bring out those mindless ones makes it real fun. <laughs> oh, it does. It does. That is crazy. One of my favorite pieces of all time. I did not run across it. My buddy told me about it. I've had fun with Dorky. But anyway, let's move on. Uh, number five, we're almost through. Do you like dice cups, dice towers, or dice trays for rolling dice, and why? You know, I read this question, and I've never used any of those except for hand roll because it's been the only way I've ever done it. Oh, wow. So, I mean, what about as a judge? Do you care? As a judge, I don't care to each their own. I mean, I've seen seen people use all of them uh, besides the tower, and it doesn't seem to give anybody an edge in any way shape or form so to each their own as far as i'm concerned and, and i think i saw tonight i don't know if you were watching any of the coverage from the rock world cup in the top 32 was it adam i believe it was adam friedman was using a beer mug to roll his dice out of that was just so funny see and that just <laughs> sounds like fun <laughs> it does I mean, I'm all for a little creative use of stuff. So let's go to your last question. This is our last question to get to know you. If you won the world championship, and I ask this to everybody, what figure would you design, and can you describe it for us? Okay, so again, I had to think about this one, because as much as I love Hulk, he's not who I would build. Uh, It would actually be based off of another comic that I like, which is Spider-Man and Deadpool, and I would put the two of them on the same base. Oh, so would you create it like Hawkman, Hulk Girl, where it's really like, uh, or the Iron Fist, where it's not a dual figure because that's kind of out. So it's like a figure that goes back and forth. Correct. It would be something like that, where on one dial you've got the, even though he's got all the quips and flips, you've got Spider Man, and then on the other side you've got breaking the fourth wall and all that other fun stuff with uh, Deadpool more. The, you know, somewhere between six and eight range, I think, would work. You'd have to have the double targeting going on there. Uh, yeah, no, I would. That's where I would go with it is with those two. Oh, that'd be pretty cool. Would you, you know? Would you do like? Um, I mean, because that brings up an interesting point. Would you do with more damage on the Deadpool side and more like in cap slowing people down with the Spider Man? Because they kind of operate in those different manners. Kind of. That's that, that was what I was thinking, something along those lines. And then uh, possibly either range combat expert or prob on Deadpool and uh, a little bit of a healing factor involved in there because of the regeneration from Spider-Man that he picks up every now and then. And then the obvious regeneration that Deadpool's got. Uh, super senses. um you know, as as much fun as you can have with the figure of the of those two put together. All right, I, that sounds cool. I mean, I'd like to see that kind of brought up and done. I think it'd be really cool. So, well, guess what? You're initiated. You're now part of the Illuminati. You have now joined the podcast of Heroclix Borderlands, which is this is episode 39. Wow, we've almost made it to 40 people, and John Carl has blessed us by joining us. All right, and. We're going to have to move on to the main topic. And this is a huge topic to me. Um, 
probably one thing I've started noticing too is the I, I, what what this is all based on is Rudy, and we all know the story of Rudy, the Rudy, uh, the kid who wanted to play at Notre Dame, and finally works his way through the practice squad and gets up and plays in a game at Notre Dame. Now think of that at the local venue. We have players who are at the local venue. We have the local venue, is which is our breeding ground for our next crop of players, and players all dream of making it to the top, but without a local venue the top's going to go away. So one thing I want to talk about is what are some issues we're starting to see at the local venue or that you see at your local venue? Maybe I've seen it at other local venues. What are you starting to see? Are there some issues we're starting to see come out? So I've got three local venues, two of which I judge at, and the third one that I go and play at when I have a chance to go. Um, the biggest issue that I'm seeing is a decrease in local players. At one point when I first started, uh, you know, we would have at a Fear Itself event, we could pull anywhere from 10 to 15 players without a problem. Uh, the local events where it wasn't organized play, we, would, we were happy with, you know, six to eight players, and I figured we were still in a healthy game. Um, since then, there have been multiple judge changes before I took it over, and uh, I'm down to, I had my month three for the, uh, the organized play, the uh, Days of Future Past today, and no one showed up for it. Wow. So, yeah, and this is this is just a common occurrence with it. And I've talked with the uh, um, the owners, and they're all saying that the game is incredibly healthy. They're buying multiple cases and selling through the product. So it's not that there aren't players in the area; they're just not coming out to the events. And it's not that we're not getting the word out there about the events going on. Um, I'm I'm just. Uh, Still trying to figure out exactly what's going on to in my area specifically. I'm north of Detroit area by about two hours, and it it's been rough. Okay, I mean I, I see it too. At um, hold on, I see it also with my venue in the fact that it seems like we're there's a decrease. Uh, less people. I mean, there's we've seen a fluctuation up and down. Uh, we have pretty healthy venue. Can we get up to 10? But I've noticed across several venues that, and from what I can read and see, is that there's starting to be a local attendance problem. But everybody does talk about how healthy the game is and how the product is still selling. We're starting to see this decrease in attendance, uh, and I've heard about it in other venues. Uh, I've seen our mind go up and down. Uh, are there any ideas on how you can fix this? Do you think what do you know what's causing the problem? Honestly, I'm not sure what's causing the problem. I know that uh, we had one venue die off, and a lot of the players uh, just quit going and they haven't shown up at any of the other venues. Um, I know a lot of the players that used to travel don't travel as much anymore. We had some that would travel about 45 minutes to get to the venue and they no longer do that. Um, I've got some that are within a 15 minute drive that just don't show up for the events. I, I don't know if it's just life getting in the way or what it is. I've, I've talked with a couple of them and I know some of them are just, it's, it's a rough time 
for um uh you're talking to players to try and fix it there's a lot of different reasons why players aren't showing up right um, and we have this disconnect it seems like in what i what i've seen is the disconnect between competitive versus local like there's a real difference between competitive play and local play and some of that's perception issues uh i don't know what are your thoughts on that See, and at the last uh, States event that we ran at the Stadium Frankenmuth location, um, we had nothing but out-of-towners. Not a single one of my locals showed up. And I had interest from at least five of the locals in the area that, you know, they filter in and out of my local events. They told me that they were planning on being there, and not a single one showed up. I set up multiple events for, hey, come out and try your team. I'll bring what is currently in the competitive scene, and we'll give it a shot and see how you do against it. Nobody showed up for any of those. I kept reaching out to players. A lot of them kept telling me they were going to be there, and then none of them ended up showing up. So, I mean, I had a lot of players. I ended up with, uh, I think it was 12 for my Michigan States event, and they came from the Detroit area, from the other side of the state. Some people drove three hours just to get to the, the store to play. And my locals that live within 15 minutes didn't show up. And I could see why some locals might be intimidated by a high-level event, a competitive event. Um, usually they're longer than normal events, aren't they? They're definitely longer than normal events. My normal events might take two or three hours, whereas one of my rock events, you know, started at 11 o'clock in the morning, be done by 7, 8 o'clock at night. Right. And then on top of that, there's more pressure and stress in it. Correct. And, I mean, a lot of my locals, they, they, I think out of the, the veterans I have, there's three, maybe four of us that have actually been to either an a rock or a WKO. Um, but after the super queue I did earlier this year, I was able to draw a few more players in for that. And I think a couple of them that had quite the Eagle on the local level were very humbled by the, the play. So I think that kind of chased a couple of them away from coming to the, uh, the States, but I reached out to a lot of them. Just, I told them, come play, try your team, practice, practice, practice. And that's how you're going to at least know your team to give yourself a better chance against a lot of these players that play in the competitive. Yeah. And you have to have a true awareness. And I know it was my own thought process. I did better this last year at origins. It's my third year doing it. I did better this year because it's more comfortable in the setting. I had a better idea of what I wanted to do. I, th I think we talked a few times too about it, and you know, it was it was easier. But it takes time. You can't just drop yourself in a competitive event and expect to do well. No, and that's what I did with my first rock, and it was it was just bad. It was this this Hulk is amazing. I'm gonna do great, and you know, the, my first game was under 15 minutes. So, I mean, without the practice, without knowing the team, without knowing what's in the competitive scene, it, it makes it a lot more difficult. 
And, and I also think, especially if you're going to go first, and I, I would also say this on a local level, I believe you need to reach out to your players and try to get them to come as a group. I think at a high competitive event, when you have a group of players that you're all together, they're having fun and experiencing it, you can help each other out. You know, and, and that support system's needed. Oh, yeah. My first one, there were uh, five of my locals plus myself. We all piled into a car and we all drove down to the event and we had a great time of it. And then the one time that I went by myself, I was absolutely miserable. It is. It is because you feel so alone and isolated. And it almost feels like if you're having a bad day, you're getting beat up on. You you know what I mean? That. I've seen people like that. Uh, it takes a very special person to show up at an event and be able to be there by themselves and interact. Uh, I can't say that everybody has that quality. I don't have that quality at times to be able to go up and just kind of interact with people. So uh, it becomes that what I believe a misperception in the belief that local players aren't competitive. Um I think they're not used to the competitive environment and they are used to a controlled competitive environment where they are more in control of it. And I guess what I say is there's a competitive level at the local level. Have you ever noticed that? Is there, do you all have competitive games at your local level? Oh yeah. I mean, uh, we used to do a, uh, um, basically once a week it was, uh, a league and we always put in there this is a high competitive event it's it's four figures it's four store credit come preparing that there are going to be a lot of high tier teams being here and you know you'd get a lot of players that would only come out for that event and other players that would not show up that week but would be there for other weeks Hmm. Well, and I find it very interesting. Well, I guess the point I was trying to make is I even believe in your casual tournaments, there's a competitive level to them. Um, It's just that there's unwritten rules at the local level or unwritten uh, parameters because not everybody has every figure. Correct. Yeah, and after going to the couple of... uh, um, events that I went to for pre-releases, I, I was out of state at the time, so I was uh, going to a couple of different venues just just to play. And they had rules that, you know, every every venue has their own house rules that that you adhere to. And I mean, some of them were kind of off the wall, and other ones were okay. This makes sense on a local level. It, 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 it seems like what you would expect to see um, certain figures banned and just to, to make the game fun instead of uh, someone bringing the same figures week in, week out. I mean, it, a lot of the rules made sense. Well, and that's, that's what happens. You know, uh, you set those rules to kind of keep the playing field fun, especially at a local level, because you guys see each other every week, you know. And nobody likes running into the same team over and over again. So I, we're all struggling with it. And what I want to jump into is that we have this problem, I believe, at the local level. I think everybody's starting to feel it. And we have this very healthy competitive scene. Would you agree? I mean, I say, okay. There's, there's a huge competitive scene out there. Yes. You know, and without it. Yeah, I mean, and we've seen it from the growth of rock and the travel of players that go from coast to coast. You know, this game, 
has expanded into a highly competitive game. It has this highly competitive bubble to it. And I don't want to call it meta. I know um, Aaron Cantu gets mad about it, and so does Patrick Yaboko. They get mad about calling it a meta game. It's not a meta game, but it's a highly competitive game that people that is starting to explode, having some high-level play, high-level teams. And um, how does this marry in with the local and that all being said, we had this huge announcement come out from Rock that's going to affect the local level. Correct? Would you? Oh, agree? without a doubt, that's going to affect the local level. And as far as, in my opinion, it's going to affect it in a positive way. All right, and and that's what we're here to discuss. And I know we've kind of been beating around the bush and all that, and we've talked about the local level. And I know listeners out there, I know y'all are thinking, well, that, that sounds like me. No, I don't want to be part of competitive. And we got this new announcement. If you don't watch at Rock World Cup, Howard Brox came out Friday night at the dinner announcement and said that after negotiating with WizKids for three months, that they have finally reached an agreement where WizKids is going to um, sponsor the Rock events. And that's huge. WizKids is not only recognizing Rock, but they're sponsoring it. And they're bringing Rock into the fold of what we call normalized Heroclix tournaments for WizKids. A recognized tournament. Um, he also said that they're going to start adding convention exclusives to prize kits. That your Rock tournaments will actually earn you points that will qualify you at the national and world tournaments now that's huge no longer it's wko is going to and the grinders at origins and at what's going to be packs unplugged going to control who goes into worlds it's also going to be or into nationals but it's also going to be these rock events that allow you to create that and he said the goal was to grow the local level and to make it grow and see more games played weekly that's what uh, WizKids wanted. They said their product's fine, but they want to do that. And that's it in a nutshell. We're going to kind of break it down a little bit more. But uh, what were your first impressions when you heard that, John? I was super excited when I heard that. Um, the The biggest thing was, okay, now, now that The Rock is being sponsored by WizKids, it was after the listening to the entire announcement. Um I, I didn't see a downside. I know there's going to be some players out there that are going to be upset about the rock points not being able to be used online at Howard's store, but now they're going to be able to be used for the Nationals and Worlds. And the thing that I liked the most, the biggest thing that I took away from that was that the local player, as Howard put it, that has the dream to go to play at Nationals or Worlds, these points never expire. They always have that chance to just work their points up. You know what? And that, that's what I miss. I, I don't know if you weren't around during the day, I don't guess. We ran the big uh, Galactus event where you could win the Galactus and you've got the Heralds every month. And the winner yep, that I wasn't in that. Huh? Yep, no, I wasn't able to be in that. Yeah, and, and at the end of that, whoever won the Galactus also won an invitation to, I guess, Nationals that year. But it was done at a local level. So you had local people winning this, and I think that went on for a little while. We'd always have this summer event that could get us this win into it, and you put the name in, 
And you know what? And 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 I thought that was always neat. You know, hey, I I can go to the big stage, and I don't have to go through these little tier processes. You know, I'm here at my. I can represent my local level. And what I took from that, just like you were saying, there's a way for the local player to play local and get to nationals and get to worlds without having to go through a qualifier or win a WKO. Correct. And and I think that opens it up because I think there's a lot of great players out there. They just have to be given the motivation or the belief that they can, they can actually do it. And I think they'll start putting work in for it. I agree. I've got players here that um, when they were showing up on a regular basis, I tried to get them to go with me to rocks and WKOs because I felt they had a really good shot of breaking in and, you know, either they had something going on because family life or whatnot. And a lot of the times they just, they could not make it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that makes a big difference, but I feel like there's a lot of really good players out there. They just got to get used to the competitive level and kind of, uh, kind of adapt their game to it and you know what I, I wanted to go over what howard actually brought up what his actual announcement was so on the basis whiz kids is going to sponsor rock what does that mean to me is that whiz kids officially recognizes rock as a partner in this tournament type structure is that you agree with that yes Okay, and with that agreement comes the opening up of the WizKids vaults to convention exclusives going in prize kits. And Howard said that convention exclusives would even show up in the Winamap kits. So WizKids is providing convention exclusives into these kits, which then opens up a whole new avenue to players who don't have the ability to go to WKOs or go to... um, Origins or to PAX Unplugged, ability to get convention exclusives directly and sit on the secondary market, which is a huge draw to go with the rocks. Exactly. And I mean, I think I can draw a lot more players in by saying, hey, if you come to this event, you have the chance of winning the con Daredevil or the con Joker or these ID cards. And I think that would be a huge draw. I mean, now that the maps are going to be legal also, that's going to be another draw as well. But, I mean, a map is one thing, a figure is another to some of the local players. Oh, and it also opens up some figures that, like, show up highly competitive teams are so rare, so hard to get. Uh, Like, I don't know if you would see a lockjaw at the local level, but we could hope so, right? I mean, there's so few out there. I mean, you could only get them by winning a, you know, getting pulled at Origins or uh, winning a WKO, or maybe it's only winning a WKO you get a lockjaw. Well, they had some at Origins as well, but yeah, I mean, I've at my local level, I haven't seen one. The only time I've seen them is when they they've come up north to me from uh, the Detroit area or from the the southern part of the state. None of my locals have have a lockjaw because they weren't able to go out, and none of them want to pay the price tag on him. Exactly, and it's that price tag I think that keep people shying away from the highly competitive market. Uh, because if you're not going to all those top events and doing well, you know you don't have access to those figures. Without access to those figures, then you run the risk of not being able to stay competitive. So it's easier to stay at a local level where everybody has the same access to limited figures. 
and your gameplay is going to be kind of equal equalized just because of the rarity of those type of pieces. So that is a huge positive. That's a long talk about nothing other than to say that the moving of convention exclusives down to local level, I think is an amazing help to the local venue. I 100% agree. Okay. So then on top of that, uh, we, we don't know when that will happen in the kits. That's a, a, Howard did say that it's not an immediate one. They're still in negotiation, but the plan is for that to slowly work in. However, immediately, I'm pretty sure he said immediately starting Monday, you are going to, when you do a win a map, when you do any rock event, you earn points. And he, he actually said in a later interview, you can't think of them as rock points. These are WKO points. The new structure, and it sounds like rock is really involved in the new structure of the highly organized tournament play, is that it takes 200 points to go to Worlds and to get an entry into Worlds, and it takes 100 points to get into Nationals. And the maximum amount of points you can earn is 300. So once you bank 300, it stays there until you take any out. And all these rock events will add to that pool of points that you can then use to get into these big events, which is huge. And he said the point values are going to go up. And then he said maybe they won't change. But any event that you play this rock will earn you points towards building up, and they don't expire. What are your thoughts on that new system of play? I think it's a great new system of play because, like I said, you know, yeah, 100 points, 200 points to get to Nationals, Worlds, respectively. It gives the local player a chance to actually do that. And depending on exactly how many points by first, second, third, fourth, etc., cetera, uh, that's going to give some of the local players a better shot to do it. I mean – at my venue we just started with rock events just because i wanted to see how they would do we did a super queue we pulled in 24 i did a states we pulled in 12. i mean i've already talked with my uh the owner of the local and he he's planning on doing more events i've talked him into doing more events we have a win a map coming up on uh november 3rd and that was set up before this announcement but uh we're still planning on doing that and i mean if all goes well i'm going to try to talk him into doing you know at least one event at least once a quarter if not more often right and i also took it as this is not WizKids opening up the bank vault to Howard Brock and saying, here, take this stuff, do what you want. There's a negotiation here, which WizKids is also putting forth their own little emphasis on it. So along that same line, and I don't know how this works, and maybe you can enlighten me. So when you go set up a win a map, okay, and, and, and I want to say that's going to be the biggest impact on the local level is the win a map prize kit. Yes. Okay. That prize kit cost, and this is for everybody out there, just so that we can go through this process, because I think the growth of rock, the growth of these events, the growth of everything is going to be going through the players. You know, venues are going to respond to what the players want. Um, but the, the win a map costs $50, and he said that's going to stay the same. So at $50, uh, you get a neoprene map, right? Yes. And hopefully later on you will get you get some 3D objects 
which Howard says he's going to start rotating and putting new three objects in there. You get some rock dice, and you now will get hopefully convention exclusives later on. Hopefully they'll get rotated in the kits. And you get uh, rock points, which now we'll consider WKO points. Okay. Points towards nationals and uh, worlds. So you go out there, when you do this, then do you go create an event in the win system? Yes, as soon as we know um, that that's the date we're going to do it for, and Howard says, yeah, sure, go ahead. Typically, the, the yeah, sure, go ahead is for higher level stuff. A win a map, he just says, go ahead and run it. Um, we put it in the win. We run it through the win. And, you know, as a judge, we report the, the standings and whatnot back to Howard. Okay, and you don't order a prize kit from WizKids. You get your prize kit from Rock, right? That's that's correct. You order it right off of uh, the Rock Online site. Right, and it, I assume that's competitive to a normal prize kit at $50. I don't know. Uh, from I, I, I don't deal with WizKids, so I don't know how much theirs costs. I, yep, I haven't done a WKO as far as what the cost is on one of those. Yeah, so let's look at a win a map. Um, for fifty dollars, your venue's going to be able to get it. Um, now, this is what Howard said because I think win a map's going to be the one in which we're going to see the most local growth. Because if it opens up convention exclusives, that's huge to the local scene, um, and that brings in players who could care less about rock points or what we call WKO points. All right, right. as he calls it. So, uh, looking at the lowest level, these win a map kits. Uh, some important things is the map you went on it is going to be now legal at WizKids, which is huge. So now this map that you're getting that would only be good at a local level, if you everybody agrees to it, is now going to be recognized by WizKids. So then that prize is just worth it as much because they're very exclusive maps. Worth just as much, if not more. I mean, before, just as a ROC map, it was looking at, you know, like... Uh, the water map that one was you know it was retailing for 70 to 80 now that it's going to be whiz kids legal that that map could jump up to you know 120 or possibly more if depending on exactly how well it does in in the competitive scene it's also going to open up new figures each one of those maps there are certain figures that work better on them than others king shark could possibly see a price bump just because the water map is now legal right but also i would argue that the water map would then hopefully if it turns legal might become more accessible to players because if if you have more venues running winter maps more of those maps get out there law of supply and demand you're going to see a price drop a little bit hypothetically um it could also, like I said, at the same time, um, we might see that uh, that map still draws just as much. And if you still, at the, the local level, have more people winning those events, that it, you know, the same person winning those events, then you might still see that increase in price. Or depending on, you know, your high tier players not being able to make it to some of these, it may just open up. That, that price fall. Yeah. And so, but I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing bringing them legal because it makes the, the prize kit even more valuable. I agree with that. 
completely. I, I wasn't trying to make this seem like a bad thing because I think it's an amazing thing because it opens up all these maps that everybody enjoys chasing and enjoys playing on. And we've been asking WizKids for more neoprenes, and the last one that was supposed to come out, they canceled on us. Yeah, and I was looking forward to that one too. But now, oh, everybody wanted. <laughs> yeah, everybody wanted that Star Trek bridge map, and I was like, man. But um, here's the thing he did mention about it. So let's we're still talking about the winter maps. Uh, the rock maps are going to be on a two year rotation period. They have to be approved by WizKids and Rock. So some maps that are currently out there, your water map could not make muster and could be uh, not made legal. But any rock map made legal, if it has orange writing on it, you know, the special rules to it, they will be legal also. So we'll be kind of waiting for what maps they bring in and don't bring in. But then going forward, I expect every map they put out to be pretty much legal unless... You know, WizKids just really says that's just too abusive. Well, WizKids has done that with their own maps in the past, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if they did that. Yeah, and so that that's a good that's a good movement. I, I don't want to wholesale bring every rock map in. I think there needs to be a vetting process, you know, because that might give too much advantage to players who've been in the rock. But the bringing in Rock to legitimacy, not saying that Rock wasn't a legitimate tournament, but it was a tournament run on the fringes of Heroclix, and now it's brought into the center of Heroclix. Or do you get that opinion? I think that Rock was the competitive scene, and WizKids saw what they were doing and attempted to copy it with WKOs and realized that this is probably in their better interest. Yeah, maybe. And I, I just, that's why I say it's legitimized. I think uh, here, uh, WizKids has just said, okay, uh, we need this. They're showing this kind of growth. Um, how can we get this to work? And uh, still focusing on Winamaps, Maps, uh, one thing that uh, he also said, and this was interesting, is that rocks changed a little bit in that when you do a Winamap, Map, they don't care what you run. Correct. They don't care. Like in the past, you do a win a map is some kind of format you have to do. This time, I don't care. If you want to run a, as he said, some kind of local hooey dooey type event, you can and do a win a map and get points for uh, worlds, which it shows that they're going to give a focus to the local. Exactly. It's um, say you want to do a master and minion night and you want to make it a competitive event. You can have a 300 point game where you have one named character and the rest of everybody else on the team is generic and run it as a rock win a map and you can win points to go to national and worlds off of that event. And I, and I think that is a great way to get the local player more interested in competing for that type of stuff. Oh, I 100% agree with that. And I think you're going to need that. And I'm going to point it out, is is that $50 price tag? That $50 price tag makes it a $15 entry. Oh, it does? You're saying you have to plan for three players? 15 is the recommended with the old kit. Now, they may change what the recommended is with the new kit. I think it was 15. It may have been 10. 
Yeah, I would say 10. I, I would say, I mean, what do you shoot for? I mean, break even, what, five players? Because... I believe so. That way you can make a little bit off of the event for a with the eight players. Yeah, but I think you can draw more players with the convention exclusives in there. and the I, Yes. Because that will create a hidden value. Now, not saying hidden value, but that creates a standard value that players recognize, you know? Right, you're adding more to it for the same cost. Right, and and the addition of opening up your national tournament to more people being able to go to it uh, and this reserve pricing creates a more fun event, I think, for your national and world tournaments. Yes. Instead of being um, these really hard tournaments that wear people out. But anyway, that all being said, this win a map also has, I just want to go over everything he talked about because I think the win a map is going to be the big thing, is that they don't care what judge is over it. As in, before when you ran a rock event, you had to be a rock certified judge. You never had to be rock certified. You didn't? Nope. It, it was recommended that you had one, but it was never required to have a rock certified judge. Okay. Not even for the super cues or mega? Not even for the super cues or the mega. All right. That's cool. I, I ran a, a super cue and I'm not a certified rock judge. Okay. So, okay. So that wasn't a change. He said he didn't care, but one big change is you don't have to have a rock account to get your points that is correct as before uh my one of my former judges who is no longer a judge with me when i was doing that super q told me he would report the event and he did not so i found that out from the players that participated in it that they had not received their rock points so i ended up going back tracking things down and finding out that he had not reported it reported it to howard and everybody got their points that way but it wasn't until, I mean, it took me four months to find out between Howard, the venue, and uh, that former judge that it had not been reported. Oh, yeah. Well, and here's here's an interesting thing. So I'm, I'm going to go over a couple of things, and we'll just kind of talk about their impact, okay? So the one things I want to finish up about the win maps are, A, you're still going to have to create an event in the win system. B, yes. you're going to have to order it from rock rock online and they're changing their system where you have to put the event that's going to go in there yes uh rock online is also going to create a calendar some type of they said they're going to have to store these events in a calendar system that you can actually search and you can find local events and they will actually go out there and find the results and make sure players get their points. Yes. The one thing they did say is judges are going to have to report that they were the judge of that event in order to get judges points. So that really isn't changing for us as a judge. It's we still have to report the event. We just don't have to have as many details in the reporting as we used to. Right. And he and if you're a certified rock judge, you get more points than if you're not certified. Correct. But the new qualification for a rock certified judge is I think you take a test, uh, but the newest qualification is you have to have a background check. Correct. And on the interview before the final 32, Howard said he was paid for the background check. There's nothing wrong with that. No, and I mean, 
No, I, I, I don't disagree with it. Uh, having a background check, sh- what it tells me is when you say you're going to have a background check is that you're wanting to have younger players come in. Not necessarily younger players, but uh, I guess responsible is a better uh, phrase for it. Um, you're looking for someone that you know you can trust and, and put your faith in with some of the information that's being put out there. Okay. I, I, I could see that. And also, we have talked about it before. The judge is really what runs a, I won't say runs a venue, but really makes a venue healthy. Correct. And I'm not saying background checks can knock out bad judges, but it will knock out some judges that have no right to be out there doing it. Kind of shady, you know? So, but you don't have to do that. If a, if, if a venue wants somebody to be their judge and they don't want them to have a background check, they can judge and they can turn in their uh, results into Rock Online and they will earn points that they can turn in for nationals and uh, worlds. Correct. That's crazy. I mean, that's crazy good, I think, as a competitive player. So, um, and he said, what we need to do is recruit at the local level. Uh, So, let's just go over that. Let's digest that. Impact at the local level. What do you think? I think this is going to be a huge impact at the local level because I can tell my players, hey, come out WinCon exclusives. What are we going to play? Master of Minions. You guys have played this with me a million times. You know how it works. Bring out your teams that you enjoy so much. It's it's a laid-back competitive event. It's what you expect to see at a, at, at a local level. It's not something that it's, okay, we're playing 300 points, get the ID cards out, get the, uh, the, the Wolvies out, and whatever else happens to be in the competitive scene right now. It's, all right, I'm going to grab uh, Maestro and two Hulk, or two World Breakers, and that's going to be my team for going into this. And I, I agree with you, but I think there's going to be another... Okay, so I, I say at your venue, that is an easy implementation. Correct. Okay, because you have done rock events. My venue, we have never done rock events. So there's a learning curve with rock events, and there's a perception problem you have to overcome with rock events. See, and there's a the way to do that is going to be on the judge. I think that's going to be where a lot of that is going to be at. Because, okay, if, sorry. No, it, if uh, um, if your local judge portrays it as it's still our everyday weekly event, there's just a chance to win points, and there's a, a map and a con in there. You're still reporting everything through the win like he normally would. It it's trying to keep it at a non-competitive competitive local is what it is well i would i would actually argue you're trying to keep it at a local um a local level i and i wouldn't say non-competitive it's gonna be a local competitive level which is limited access to certain things and it's going to be some house rules and it's going to be an environment in which you feel very comfortable in which that's why you- i say that's why I say non-competitive competitive. It's, it's yeah. not your, 
the thousand dollar team that you're coming up with it's the this is what i home brewed and this is what i'm bringing right and it'll be fun i think it will take a lot of grinding because they talked about the grinder who sits there and has a dream of doing this and they just grind they don't have time to go to these big events will um create this ability to uh kind of grind and work their way to what their goal is you know yeah and but here's the thing uh i would even actually push i wouldn't say that at a venue where you've never had a rock event that it would actually be up to the judge okay and and hear me out um if you've not had a rock event currently at your venue I would say that your judge either doesn't like them, doesn't know about them, has a bad experience with them. So the actual change would have to come from the player base. It'd have to come from the people who know about it. Because, I mean, why have you not run a rock event until now? Well, it. so take my venue, for example. We'd never run one until we did a uh, Super Q back in April. That was the first rock event we had ever run up in my area. Yep, so we did win a Bricks and some other high prizing events, but we never did any of them as like a WKO or a ROC. So, I mean, we had the learning curve when we did the Super Q. I found out I had too many judges. They were tripping over each other to, to try to go and answer rulings. Um, I actually had one that didn't uh, that barely participated that night and that was with 24 players he pretty much sat down most of the night and just observed games um so that was one of the things that i learned was i didn't need four judges on hand myself being one of them mm-hmm. uh i was able to to tone that back uh i was told that i ran it very smooth and that was one of the things I really wanted to go for because I've been to events where, you know, after everybody's done reporting, you're looking at a 10 to 20 minute gap in between. I wanted to cut that gap out because I knew people had lives and this was going to take up the entire day as it was. So we were trying to, to move things along and keep it going. It was all stuff I learned from doing it the first time and making sure that everything was going well with the win, that I wasn't misreporting anything, that everything was still running smooth. I mean, I had that initial level of stress when I first started it, and as the day progressed, that stress just melted away, and I just rolled with it as just another event I was doing at my venue. The difference is, is I called this one a rock super cue instead of weekly event. Okay. Well, and and I guess what the point I was getting at is that as players, we can't sit back and assume our judge is going to go do this. Exactly. I I think we have to express to our judge, we want to do this. We have to express to our venue that we want to do, especially when you have a venue that has never done a rock before. I think some player-based swelling has to come about. I agree with that. Now, if the player base goes to the judge and the judge says, no, I don't want to do that, um, find yourself a rock judge that'd be willing to come out to the venue or to find you know, someone that would be willing to do it in, in the judge's stead. That might be stepping on some toes, but make sure that the judge is okay with it first. Ask him if you feel like it, you're going to be stepping on toes, ask him first. Is it okay if we do a rock event and person X runs it because they're interested in actually running the event? go from there 
Yeah, and I, I, I believe um, $50 is a good price point. Um, I think I worry about buy-ins, especially early on with winning maps until we get the convention exclusives in there. Um, the maps are kind of nice. Uh, so I think I think as a local venue, if you've never done it before, you're gonna have to get a little player support, some player buy-in to kind of mitigate the financial fear of putting fifty dollars into a kit and you don't know how it's gonna do, you know. And um, it opened it up to any kind of format. You can sit down as a group and discuss what format do we run this, and it can kind of keep it kind of more, well, as you said, non-competitive, competitive. Exactly. And then on top of that, once it gets introduced and once you start doing it and once it becomes part of the culture of, hey, guys, we want to do this like ever so often so that we're continually earning ourselves because we all have the goal of one day going and go participate in it. You'll probably find some of your players will start to vocalize that dream when they feel safe that it's at their local level and they're having to have to travel a long way to go do it. Right. And I mean, I, I know that there's a lot of the, the teams like Phoenix Nest and Juggernaut and Clickstaff Army. I know a lot of them do a lot of that traveling. And there are some players such as myself. I can't do a lot of that traveling. I mean, yeah, I do a lot of traveling for work, but that doesn't necessarily put me in line with some of these events that are going on. And there's a lot of local players that just cannot do the travel. I mean, I've got three kids. There's no way I could get out to all these events that uh, PJ and Dan, no offense to the two of them, since they don't have kids, are able to get to a lot of these extra events. And I mean, more power to both of them I would love to be able to do that, but I, I've got kids. Yeah, and it just kind of opens it up. It gives a like the um, I kind of like the NCAA tournament where you give some uh, lower venue, like lower conferences, seeds into the tournament on max seeds. You know? Yeah, it's it's kind of like that because it's saying, hey, you know. We want to reach out to our local players, our Rudies, and you know, give you your shots. If you're willing to grind at your local venue, and you know, these points don't go away; they never expire. So, if you're continuing, we keep this system in place. You keep earning points, and you earn enough points to go to nationals. That's all right. You can go butt heads against these guys who've practiced all this and go traveled all these different competitive events. And you can play PJ Bowl, and you can play Dan Powell, and. You know, see how you match up against them. And I remember the first time I went, it was an amazing event. And I wish, I mean, looking back on it, I went there and I had to go through grinders. And I, I think this past year was the first time I ever got through grinders and was able to participate in the actual event. And I stayed in it for the entire time. And um, I just think once you go experience that, it's just so much fun. It builds a competitive fire a little bit more. Um but I think WizKids and Rock have come to a great balance in the ability to promote this win a map and giving it good value to all players and keeping it safe by not by having this um, uh, like open, you can do anything you want and keeping it more local. And think, right. And if you have a lot of these events going on, I think you're going to have less. Uh, people traveling around prize hunting you know what i'm saying right I mean, the, those are the ones that are going to go to the qualifiers right and so 
I think it's great. Win a map. I say if you're out there, you're listening. Every venue should try it one time. See how you like it. I say try, I it, one try it one time. Sit down with your group and say, how do we like that? How was that? Uh, we don't know the point values. We don't know how many win a maps you'd have to win to actually qualify to go to nationals, which is 100 points, and how many you have to win to go to worlds. But just the opportunity, the ability to go do it, and seeing some convention exclusives come down to the local level without having to go to these big conventions is is a huge step by WizKids to try and grow our local population. Um, and that they're concerned with it, that they'll reach out, that Rock reaches out to them, and they reach out to Rock, and they come to this agreement. Now, there's a couple of things that are going to come from this. It's not all Rock has um, uh, freedom of choice. Uh, but Howard also went over that they're going to streamline rules like Rock and WizKids rulings are going to become one in the same. So that's a negotiation process, but they're going to, you're not going to see different rulings at the Rock versus the win. I mean, at WizKids. And for the most part, we don't see that. There's a few different rules that go with an ROC compared to others, but it's more in operation than in gameplay. Yeah. And then they also said the ban lists are going to become one and the same. Which is there's no ban list, essentially. And uh, the only ban list that exists right now is for Rock Age. Right. And that's not a not a quote unquote official list. It's the Majestic's ban list. Well, and that brings it to the other point where he talked about they're going to have a format, but they don't know if their format's going to stay the same as it is. So there's some negotiation with WizKids. Maybe the Rock Age stays, maybe it doesn't, but that is not set in stone right now. Or the limited I hope form. that the Rock Age stays. I think that was an amazing play, and I, I prefer Rock Age because of all the options it gives you. Yeah. I also liked uh, the Rock Age gives options. Uh, I like the limited format. I think that's really neat. Um, so... I hope it stays, but from Honey is talking, there's some negotiation on how those events look. Uh, winter maps, wide open. But the events that are above the winter maps, those formats, while he has an idea what he wants, those have to be streamlined. He also had a saying, he also said that he wants to push, and it's in negotiation with WizKids, that maps are requirements at every tournament. Maps is the neoprene maps? No, I'm saying that every player needs to bring their maps. Oh. You know, like that's not always what it's required, but he was saying, you know, like like on when you go to WKO, you have to list your maps. They don't Correct. provide maps. You have to Correct. list your maps. And you know, you go to a national event, you have to list three maps. And I think they're wanting to everybody to go to that. Now like at a local level, win a map. Probably not going to be, but we're talking the bigger ones. It's going to kind of become streamlined that way. And, and WizKids kind of does that, but, you know, solidifying that. Right. But that being said, we think the new Winamap format with the new partnership with WizKids is an amazing thing. And 
Howard kept saying this is leading to something bigger. So this, I take this as phase one into a more integrated system. Well, this has to be phase one. I mean, this is just the, the this is just the beginning of this new partnership. The two sides are going to have to feel each other out, and there's going to be changes. It. it Obviously, Howard has something big in the works for working between WizKids and the ROC. And he's just not privy to tell us what it is yet until he's got all of his ducks in a row to be able to do that. Okay, and one last thing I want to mention about the winter maps. He also said that winter maps can be sealed. And sometimes sealed is a great way to get good but cautious players at a competitive event. I agree. There's a lot of players that they prefer the sealed over competitive because they think it makes everybody equal. I disagree with that, but that's my own opinion. Well, I would say, I don't say it makes everybody equal, but I say it limits the pool. It definitely limits the pool. It's not, I mean, part of it is about how well you play, but also part of it is about how well you pull. Right. And and we've seen sets that work great in sealed. Thor, Mighty Thor, I think is an awesome set. It's very hard to get a bad pull in Thor. You can, but, you know, statistically, you're probably going to get a piece that can be competitive. I I thought Mighty Thor is pretty good sealed set. I agree. Uh, I would also, I have not played it enough, but I like the Battle World in that you can get a bad pull in Battle World, but uh, it is pretty... It has like four or five different pieces in it at different levels that can just be competitive. I agree. Um, And you can pull very, very poorly with this set. And I saw that at one of my pre-releases, one of the guys I went up against, his entire team was... uh, um, his his hitters were Viv Vision and Carolina Dean. Ouch. And, yeah, and it, I just I felt so bad for him because it, I mean there were I made multiple mistakes in that game from learning the pieces I was running, and he, he just could not hit me. Yeah, so, so it, it's still up in the air. I did I I thought there was I guess what I point pointed to in this set is there's no auto win in the set there's always a like maestro has a weakness and like thanos has a weakness and you can defeat a lot of different versions i agree i think the only one that's you pull and must play and you have a really really good shot of wiping that event is agamato I agree. I agree. A chase, and but you know, we'll wait and see. But I, I do think that you, if you can run it sealed, it's it's good in the fact that it's a limited pool and players feel more comfortable with that. Uh, you just want to make sure you don't pull a set that uh, is so unbalanced that there's a lot of bad pulls in it. Um, yeah, don't don't do it with what if or uh... X Men. I hate to tell you this, but uh, Xavier School. Man, I, I'm telling you, I had a bad pull in Xavier's school. I don't know if it's just my boosters, but I don't know. I was at a sealed for uh, uh, what if, and you know, everyone kept saying who pulled Goblin King because that's who's going to win. Two Goblin Kings were pulled. That was first and second. There you go. 
I guess. Yeah. And I guess at the X-Men one, I saw, uh, usually it was... Uh, Wolverine and Cyclops. Yeah, Wolverine and Cyclops. They were just too brutal. You know, they're just too brutal. And, and so, but that being said, that was that was pretty good. So let's look at, uh, when a map's good, uh, open it up. I say everything, you give it a try. Every player go out there and say, hey, let's all go give this a try. Let's all commit that we'll all be there for it. Try to support it and see what comes from there. Um, I also believe that uh, this new structure extends up. I won't say I believe. He talked about how the structure actually extends up now. Um, he, he stated rock, rock events. There's no more super cues or mega super cues. Those are done. Yep. They're going to have qualifiers. Right. And there's going to be fewer of those. He said that. Right. Fewer types of those. So you're now going to have a qualifier, which actually qualifies you for the Rock Cup, which can also earn you more points for nationals and worlds. Uh, that you got these qualifiers. And then you have states. And you, they're going to run two states a year, one constructed and one sealed. So I think that's a great doing the sealed one is a great way to get some local highly very good local players to maybe go and try their luck at a larger event. Oh, I agree. And then they'll go regionals. Then you do nationals. And then the Rock Cup takes on a new uh, meaning in that it becomes a world qualifier. Correct. Meaning if you win the Rock World Cup, if you win the Rock World Cup, you get 200 points. Which would then that's how much you need, and it would occur after nationals and before worlds, which then gives. And this is what I want to point I want to say it shows that the Rock World Cup has a status and has a place in the competitive environment, but WizKids is focusing everything to worlds. You understand what I'm saying? I lost you again. Sorry, sorry, I'm, I'm just saying, uh. The new Rock World Cup yes. is between nationals and worlds. Yep. And so and it's going to be a world qualifier. We kind of yep. went over there. Yep. However, now worlds is the ultimate prize. Yes, it is. Okay. And it, to me, that's subtle, but now it's lined everything up because I was, who is, who is the top rock world cup? If you're a rock Curl world cup winner or a world winner, you know, who's, you, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, we it, had two every year. Like last year it was Howard and it was Daniel. Right. right. So now it's a, say line nationals, rock world cups, a world qualifier. I don't know how it compares to a national winner, but then you're going to have the world's winner the ultimate goal you have to have so many points in your account to go into the rock cup he right. did say that they are not deducted from your account but you have to have them in your account so it's kind of like an invitational right and they also said because it doesn't cost anything to go to the rock world cup if you already have your points right that's way i understand Correct. There's no buy yeah. fee. However, he did say that if, say, you have just 100 points in your account and you go to nationals and you know that your your account gets reduced by those 100 points because you go play in nationals. 
Right. The World Cup appears afterwards. He says you would still be qualified for the World Cup. That's what he said in his second interview. See, and that was the second interview. I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, so he said that even though you spent your 100 points to go to Nationals, to rock, you still have the invitation to get to the finals or the semifinals or whatever. And that makes sense. So, you know, so then you've not given up your invitation. So you've got right. both. So you get a double dip. So you get this, great, I get to go Nationals, I can spend my points here, and I get to go this Rock World Cup. And I get a shot at getting a world qualifier if I don't get it at Nationals, you know. So I, th- I, th- I thought this new structure is giving a more inline thing for what competitive play is going to look like, and it has a very good, what I thought was a good entry point with the win map. Yes. So, so if you want to be competitive, or even if you don't want to be competitive, if you, even if you don't care, you just I don't ever want to go to Worlds or Nationals. You can still compete in these winter maps, and you get stuff that is WizKids recognized and WizKids exclusive. Correct, and that's that's huge right there. Yeah, I think that's worth the fifty dollars. Oh yeah, because I mean, if they do it right, this will be better than your monthly prize kits. It will be a lot better than the monthly prize kits. But I would not want to have, and I don't know if as a venue, you can't run these every week. You know what I'm saying? Right. You would burn out the players and whatnot. This, like, with me, I'm talking about once a quarter to start with running the the win a map and seeing what what my player base does and then possibly increasing from there. I would like to, and he said he, he wanted to address it, the uh, series, like the Majestic series and the Houston Open, Houston Shootout. Yes. Those series would be different because, you know, they turn into Super Qs or, isn't that right? Does they turn into Super Qs or Mega Qs? Super they were Qs. Super Qs, and then I, I think the way they were set up is they were all Super Qs except for the last one, which was a Super Mega. Yeah, so that's going to have to change. Uh, and based on the new structure, he said that would have to look different next year. Uh, so I don't know if it's a bunch of win map series. However, to me, what I would love to do is that in my area, I can put a pin right where I live, and there are no WKOs within 150 miles of where I live. None. And that rough as far as going and trying to get into nationals and worlds for getting those points. Right, it's two hundred. It's over two. It's about two hundred miles for me to get into a WKO, which is very. I mean, I wish I was PJ, but you know, I just can't. I can't do it. I mean, and I and I like to travel, and actually, I have it, but I just don't. So, for me, I would love to create a win a map series between me and Asheville. They're closer in our way. And just rotate one month we do a win a map, maybe the next month they do a win a map. So about every two or every three months, we might take a month off. It'll be like one month, one month off, one month, one month, you know, and try to help each other's venue that way. And because we're an hour away, that's not too far for a player to travel and kind of create what I call an over mountain series. I'm going back and forth and just kind of create this... I don't know this this culture of the I don't know sharing of player base. I don't know. That's a dream I have, mine. That's a little off topic. Sorry, 
but hey i mean it, it i could see that working i've got a couple of venues in the area that are within an hour's space that i might be able to do something like that with hey, if, hey, I ever, if i ever do it i'll let you know all right let me know i'll let you know if i can get it worked out i'd probably have a come together meeting and but i mean as as uh howard said the winter maps you'd probably just keep doing winter maps back and forth and maybe you have you put something extra in for your what you might call mega winter map but it's not any different than a normal winter map you know what i'm saying but right it's a, same points and whatnot but you throw in some extra prizes that you have around the store or right. possibly a brick right and, and maybe sometimes you do you know i love the idea of sealed i mean i agree with you it is not fair Sealed is not a fair play because not, not all pieces are equal. Not all pools are equal. And Correct. sealed is more equal on a pre-release than any other time because people don't understand the pieces. So there's a lot of misplays. But in the end, a, a Thor sealed set right now, if you ran a sealed, it, it's, it's about as fair as you can get and it's still unfair to some players based on their pools. That makes sense. Yeah. So, but it's a nice, safe, like, here's all the toys you can play with. And if you don't, everybody has same uh, chance to pull those toys. Schrodinger's booster. Right. Right. You, you have the potential to have the thing you really want. Uh, you know, uh, what was it? Champion pool dominated our release at Deadpool. I can see that. He just, he just, nobody could kill him, you know, and he could kill things so easily. So it was, um, anyway, that's showing how it could be unfair. But um, anyway, I think it's good. I think it's great. I like the new structure. I like the conversation between WizKids and Howard Brock. I like that WizKids has recognized that, hey, I take it as we don't run tournaments ultimately up and down the board as well as you do rock you seem to have grown a better competitive tournament structure however we love our nationals and worlds and our locals are just kind of okay and our wkos are pretty good how can we mesh in with you all to make a better system where we have this local two worlds and it says it can be a path that can anybody can take right and so i i'm, I'm excited i assume you're excited too right? oh i'm very excited about this I am. I, I, and what was so funny, I think, yeah, I talked to my venue and he was really excited about the ability to get convention exclusives back in his store and the ability to help players qualify for nationals or worlds, you know? And I mean, I think that's cool. I think it's going to be really cool. Now here's the, go ahead. Sorry. No, I agree. So, you know, and I don't want to sit here and belabor the point. I think it's great. I think people need to push it. I think we're going to find out more and more information. Uh, I don't think people should be scared of it. I think, like um, Howard said, think of this as W. Uh, think of this as WKO points. Yes, not rock points. This is WKO. These are Whiz Kid points. You know, whiz kids points, and they're they're worth something. Now the one the one bad news is that the one thing Rock had to offer since they did not have whiz kids ability to produce figures is they had to offer money. 
You know, you can redeem your yep. points for boosters or it, it's like a one to one, like a one point was worth a dollar. Uh, that is now no longer possible. That is correct. And, and in the agreement with WizKids, like I see that now WizKids has opened up the vault so that we have more access and gives you more ability to do stuff. The cash value has to go away, you know? Right. And I mean, I understand that. I get it. I, I'm i not against it. But at the same time, I don't have an account full of rock points. Right. Now, Howard did say that your current rock points transfer over into the new system. Correct. So that's important. So if you have 300 points out there, guess what? You're automatically ready for <laughs> nationals and worlds. No worries. Yep. If you have 50 out there, you're halfway there. Whatever you've done so far and you've not turned in, like I was on that list of people who have not created a rock account, but I had rock points out there. I thought I had created a rock account. I guess I hadn't. So I've got like seven points out there. <laughs> I'm seven points closer to my goal of nationals. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm seven points closer. I told my wife. Oh, there there you go i told my wife i was not going to participate in nationals if i was not qualified before i go there because the grinders took up two days of my life and not, nothing against the grinders it's just it's, it's rough sledding i i i i think they're great last minute things but i'd rather grind week by week at my local venue i think there's a lot of people that would rather grind at their locals rather than have to go and do all those grinders the, the couple of days before like you just said you did i mean now it's i can space this out i don't have to be my first two days of doing nothing but playing in these grinders i can actually enjoy the event that i'm here to to be at i can enjoy origins and go and do other stuff with uh the whiz kids booths whether it's battle royals or uh some of the other mini events that they're doing I mean, it, it opens up a lot more possibilities that so you don't have to be there grinding for two days. Oh, I agree. And um, I guess it's going to come to the next point is that are we going to produce a Rudy from this new system? I think so. We've already started to produce Rudy's from uh, Rock Online. Okay, I agree. I agree. Uh, our latest Rudy is uh, Lucas. Isn't it Lucas? Lucas Van Holland. Yes, he's been doing pretty well. I thought on the Rock Online. Him and he Lane. has. Tyler Miller has been practicing a lot on there too, and that earned him a bunch of wins and a spot on Clicks Army. Yeah, Tyler. Yes, Tyler has been doing an amazing job online, uh, and he and Brock said that Howard said that Rock Online would continue. So I think that's amazing. I love the Rock Online idea. Um, I need to get back into it. The I think it's going to try and do more win a maps. I think Winamap's going to be the new bread and butter of the system. Yes. I think I think that's going to be it. I think I would say that if your plan is, this is me personally, if your plan is to attend nationals and you're going to grind at the local scene, you need to go compete in at least one state 
and maybe a regional or maybe a, a qualifier, uh, what he called a qualifier. I would say at least a qualifier, possibly a state's a WKO if you can make it to one and then win a maps. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, well, but what I was saying is that a win a map can give you a false sense of where you're at because if you continually only do win a maps at your own local store, uh, it is a contained environment with a limited set of pieces. And you, to, okay. if you want to do well at the nationals, you're going to have to move up to the next level. Yes. Which will be a states, which could have. Now I would even say you probably want to go to a constructed states because it's probably going to be the format. Uh, you might want to go to a sealed states just to have fun. But, you know, to, to understand it, because the more you play in that competitive environment, the better you get at it. Because there's a pressure that you feel on it. Um, and it's what brings us to, so what are the most, well, what do a play, what does a player need to do to transfer from that, that local level into that next step? Um, if you had to give the, one thing they needed to do, what would you, what advice would you say they need to do? Practice and research. Practice and research. And I would say, Be okay to push back. Yeah, I mean, look at PJ. I know we keep bringing him up, but, I mean, look at some of the builds he makes. Right. You wouldn't think that some of the – who would have thought that uh, Abraham Lincoln would have made a splash in the meta when he was first released? Yeah, but PJ made – and I guess when I say you need to push back, you need to push back against a certain trend. But also what I was saying is that in a game – you have to realize that it's no longer local and it's no longer your buddy across there, that it's okay to say, we need a judge to fix this. And oh, it's yeah, not, that too. And, and it's not being mean. It's not being anything other than making sure that you're both in the agreement. Ruling, about, go ahead. I'm sorry. The ruling is correct. Correct. And I have made that mistake twice, and it has cost me games, where I've played casually and not played competitively. Yes. And, and and it's not a knock against a player. It's not it's not you being mean to a player. But you have to say, no, you can't take that move back. Or if you you can, but you know, you have to enforce rules. You know, I, I don't agree with you. Well, I and the other player saying, I don't agree with you, then it needs to go to a judge. It's not that, well, we'll just play it your way. You know what I'm saying? Not at that level. I Correct. Think, I think local players need to see that, taste that, and come to terms with how to handle that. Yes. So my piece of advice is learn how to push back. Push back against what everybody's trying to do, and also push back in your matches of if there's something going wrong. Don't I say don't call a judge for everything, but, you know, if it's important, call a judge over. You know? Highly competitive players are okay with that. Yes, they are. And, and you know, and it's okay. So and that leads us to what causes that is some misunderstandings of ruling. So what rulings, if you had to give me, what's the number one rule that local players mess up the most? Line of sight. Line of sight. Line of fire. There we go. How do they mess that up? 
Well, it could be, you know, can a Colossal see over this or how does the rim work? And with as back and forth as WizKids is on their rulings, it, it makes sense. Yeah, that the line of sight becomes this big issue. Right, and that'd be your number one? That would be my number one that I get called over the most on is can I see so can piece X see piece Y? Okay, yeah, I agree with that. I, I can see that. Line of sight is a huge one. Um, I think another big one is order of play. Uh, beginning of turn, action phase, end of turn. When does things resolve? Certain figures and- have beginning of turn stuff. Certain figures have after resolutions. There's always an argument about when you put stuff out. Correct. There's actually a uh, piece in the new set. I uh, I think it's um, the uh, new Spider Island Iron Fist that he's got a special power. And it says, Spider traps two flies. Charge flurry. When Iron Fist hits with a close attack, after the attack resolves, he may immediately use sidestep at no cost. So the question that arose from this at the pre-release I went to is, when do you get to do that sidestep? Do you do it after the first flurry? Are you able to sidestep and then finish your flurry? Because it says immediately after the attack resolves, not the action resolves. Right, right. Do you get to do two sidesteps off of a flurry? Do you only get to do it once? The judge ruled that it was after each attack. Did you agree with him? I didn't because of how ingrained the action part is. But the more I read it, the more I agreed with him. Yeah, because it's his attack and not action. Correct. And so those are two different terms, an attack phase versus an action phase. And I think, yeah, I, th- I agree with you. I think people are still learning the um, phases. And I'm going to be very honest. I think we're very sloppy with our phases at the, at the local level. At local level, we're very sloppy with it. You know, we're very, when do you put out an ice clone? Well, the ice clone doesn't really come out until the very end of your turn. And so meaning that he can't sidestep or do anything when he gets put out because he's past the action phase. You know, so like looking at the Iceman, Chase Iceman, when he puts his ice clone out, it's after, uh, it's at the end of the act. I think it's the intern phase. So when he comes out, he can't sidestep or do anything. He just gets placed. Am I wrong on that one? Um, I don't remember because I haven't run him. I'm looking him up right now just to make sure that what you're telling me is true. <laughs> well, I wouldn't take me for granted on anything, but yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's after you've checked tokens on Ice Clone. Yeah, it says right after Ice Clone at the end of your turn before clearing, if the number of Ice Clone bystanders on the map is less than Iceman's action tokens, generate one. Free so remove. Yeah. So it's at the end of your uh, action of, phase. Right. See, well, actually, it's the end of turn phase. End of turn, yeah. So, so you can't do any actions in that phase. So when Correct. he comes out, he can't do a free action sidestep. Correct. And, and we're not used to that, putting a pog out and him not being able to do anything. Yeah, but no, he can't. He is very clear about what he can do. So he's always going to be able to do something next turn. But, I mean, it's just that kind of wording. We're very sloppy, and we let that stuff slide. 
And if you're wanting to go to the next level, that's a very common misunderstanding that you're going to have to clarify before you get it. Especially when you say practice your team, you have to know all that about your team. Exactly. You know, that that Goblin King can pick any time. And when he picks something, like he picks poison. Well, you know, technically he can pick poison, rotate it all the way around, and before he does anything, he can poison you. And then pick a new power. Right? Because it's a free action. Right. So I could poison you and then pick uh, Pulse Wave. Yeah. And then I've I've got the benefit of poison, and then I'm going to get the benefit of Pulse Wave on the same turn. I mean, I'd have to think about it the turn before, but you know what I'm saying. However, Jakeem doesn't work that way beginning of turn well with the the red on king it's at the beginning of your next turn you lose those powers oh does it okay yeah well okay well i was wrong oh well oh well you were talking po- or pre-errata pre errata uh, okay see there you go okay anyway i don't know who it would work on maybe oh well i guess uh what's his name he's not been eroded um no, he has to do beginning of your turn. Anyway, that's what I'm getting at. You just kind of kind of get to practice your figures, get to know them. Yes. You know? And you have to know your team solid. And you have to know other things. But anyway, I think one of the rulings you have to get is your turn phases. Do you have another ruling that just drives you crazy? People need to know this. Um and that no real big ones on my local level. I mean, I go to other venues. Like I said, I went to one while I was out of town, and I ran into that perplex issue. He thought it ended as soon as it, uh, but like he tried out with my perplex. I had already used the perplex, and I told him, I said, well, "You can do that, but I'm going to have it on there until my next turn, and then I won't just won't be able to use it on my next turn." Right, right. Thought that by outwitting it, the perplex would go away. Yeah, and that's that can't use versus uh, what's the terminology? Can't use can't use versus lost, and how that Correct. impacts. Um, and I would say along those same lines with perplex, and what drives me crazy is the replace them modify rule. I, I've seen a couple of players have an issue with that. I mean, if you if you have running shot and I perplex up my speed, if I have running shot and I perplex up my speed one, I have my speed. If it's eight, like I had an eight original speed, I have it. So it's down to four now for my running shot. And I still get to add that plus one on top of the four, making it a five. Correct. And people go, well, I mean, you normally do that too because you go from eight to nine. Yeah, but if I do a plus two to it, I don't go to a five. I go to a six. Correct. And and it's that replace them, modify. They go, what? You know, I love yep. doing it. You know what? I love doing it. I, I love when you have a pulse waiver is reducing the range. Yeah. And people are like, what? I go, yeah. Yeah, I just, I just took them down where they can just pulse wave you. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, wait, what? And I go, yeah, sorry. I, I don't want to get pulse wave. They're going to pulse wave you and you're going to take all the damage. So, but yeah, it's that replace and modify that some people, and you know, like you throw perplex on a piece and then you have a defend piece behind them. They get to defend and the perplex. Even yep. though it defends the replacement and replace them, modify. Ray. <laughs> Keep saying that mantra, replace them, modify. My modification gets added on the, after the replacement. I mean, the way it works, the way I understand it. That's exactly how it works. Yeah. So anyway, um, you know, just kind of, you know, here's a here's a thought. If you really want to be a competitive player, read the rule book. That's a novel idea. <laughs> <laughs> I would say so. You know what? And I thought this last rule book they put out is probably the best written one they've done. It's pretty easy to read and it's pretty easy to reference back to. And I think they give those little examples. I had to pull it out the other day when I was talking to a guy and he didn't realize I rolled a crit hit. He goes, and I go, he started rolling super senses. I said, you don't get to roll super senses. He goes, what do you mean? Nope. I said, dope. You don't get to evade an attack with a crit hit. He goes, what? And I had to pull it out and there's a little blurb and it says, crit hits hit. You can't evade them. Yep, no super senses, no mastermind. He's like, oh man, I never knew that. I said, yeah, and that's that's the thing, you know, and it's just kind of the way it works. So anyway, um, I think that's cool. Okay, so in a nutshell, we believe that Rudy's going to come on. We might actually have sometime, maybe in the next couple of years if this stays around, a local player make it to a national level tournament, right? I agree. I mean, win a national level tournament. Right now, usually your winners are people you see winning at other big events. I mean, it's potential. I think opening up the pool creates that kind of diversity, maybe. Oh, without a doubt. You never know what's going to happen when that that's a possibility. Right. You never know when the Cinderella will come through. Exactly. Uh, uh, the winner maps are going to be cool because it's going to bring down convention exclusives down to the local level. Uh, it's going to create uh, more value for your your rock maps. And it is so wide open that it's going to have more of a local flavor than a highly competitive ultra event does. Yes. And the streamlining of rock into WizKids is going to just make their tournament structure, I think, stronger. I think it's going to make the game stronger i i agree there and uh, read up on your rulings uh be open to them uh, make sure you know what you're doing with them and the last thing i want to talk about and let's let's just go over it very quickly because we don't have a lot of time like i keep track of time but i hate to be my return episode be the longest episode i've ever done i'm gonna have to do enough editing as is but, but battle world we both opened our case. We have some more stuff on the way, but right now, if you had to say, which piece do you think is going to be the most fun out of the set? What do you think it is? The most fun out of the set? Yeah. I had a great time running Maestro with that World Breaker. Uh, I mean, that World Breaker, I think he's just so much fun to play with the two stop clicks built in. Um, my MVP of, the, of that night, I didn't mention her before, was Molly Hayes. At 25 points for that beat stick is just unparalleled, especially if you got someone with leadership. All right. Okay. I'll, that's a great choice. If I had to choose one right now, just looking at the set, I think it's just so much fun to play. Uh, you know, right now, is that Prime Thanos. 
I mean, I know it sounds cheesy and all that, but man, he is fun. He, I think he's fun, especially now that I have five duplicates. <laughs> I think it'll be a lot of fun to play. That makes it a lot more fun when you got the duplicates to go with him. Right, right. So you can pop them out and you can use his trait. And I, I just think he's a fun piece. I think, uh, is he, is he a highly competitive piece? I don't know, but I do love his infinity trait where he can, uh, if he gets an infinity token, then he can plus one of his stats plus two for each infinity token. So that's pretty nasty. Right. So we'll see. Um, I'm sure somebody will learn how to abuse him. And then let's go with what do you believe is the most competitive piece out of the set? I mean, the the obvious pick is strange with his effect on uh, the ID cards. Uh, ID cards. Um, I think that uh, Iron Fist and Agamotto both have a shot at it. Um, I like the the double Iron Fist chase di- chase idea. Um, one taken off the other with the tokens and just having them running around. Uh, yeah, like I said, I, that strange is the obvious answer, but I I would also pick the Chase Iron Fist. You wouldn't go with Chase Odin. Uh, so I like Chase Odin. I, I like his potential with uh, um, Sam Cap and Overdrive teams, but it's after he makes his free run gun. What do you do with him after that? He he just seems like he's he's just out there and you know psychic blast is a thing, Cyclops is a thing. I I just don't think he can hold up to it. Uh, well, no, I mean, that makes sense. I think I like him and his ability with Thor Odinson, but that's a 400-point team, not a 300-point team. Right, and if we're looking at 400 limited, sure, run the two of them together and be happy. Uh, I, I think those two together in a 400-point limited would do a lot of major damage wrecking out, um, especially since I think think with the way Thor's uh, ancient in, or not Thor, uh, Odin's in, ancient incarnation is worded I think it just ha- says you have to have Thor in the name right, which right. would I mean you could keep taking tokens off as long as you're hitting with uh, with Odin's son yeah, uh, yeah. when a friendly character na- named Thor hits, so no you would have to, ha- Odin's son would not be able to take off all right. Now, it'd be interesting to run those two with the Thor that teleports next to an Asgardian. I think there's one in the set. There might be. I, I haven't uh, yeah. looked at all of them. I thought I did, but I don't remember that one. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. I, I, I'm... I I, bar- I vaguely remember. I remember it jumping in my. I did look at Nick the Fury, and I thought he looked really interesting, especially with his robot abuse a little bit. Um, and I kind of looked into that, tried to find some way to work that, but I kind of like it. Yeah, I I pulled a Nick the Fury, and I got to run him. Um, his lack of move and attack, besides the sidestep, is where I think he he lacks the most. <laughs> 
but uh, he hits like a freaking hammer. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I agree with that. Uh, I think Maestro's pretty cool. And I do like that Maestro and Thanos Prime are not they're what I consider heavy hitters that aren't super rares. Yes. Which, I mean, Thanos is a prime, but he's easier to get than a super rare. Even that world breaker, he's, he's a heavy hitter and he's a a common, I mean, he's got two stop clicks for a hundred points. And I think whiz kids would do best to put more highly efficient pieces throughout all rarities which then makes it more accessible and I think makes the game a lot more divergent when you have that. Right, but they, they had come out at one point and flat out said, hey, we're putting the the more competitive, heavier hitters in the higher rarities. Yeah, but if you really want to open it up, and this would be my suggestion, if you really want to open it up to the common man... You know what I mean? You're going to have oh, yeah. to you change your distribution just a little bit. You're going to have right. to look at it. And we, we, we can all admit, Cable is an amazing piece. He just needs another click of – he needs another point on defense. Yes. And 17 is not good enough. No. If he had an 18 to start or had an 18 with an energy shield, or, you know you know what I mean? There's, there's certain things you can do. Uh, under Undervalued trait in this set, and I think you got to watch out for it, is the Weird World trait. I like and dislike Weird World. Um, so I was, again, I got to play against this, and that trait swings both ways. So he... Uh, um, perplexed down my defense with uh, Morgan Le Fay and then tried to attack me with her and there was no down to the defense because of Weird World. But I would call that a misplay, wouldn't you? I would definitely call that a misplay, but at the same time, it's kind of like he wasn't aware of it. He thought that it only worked in his favor. No. It was just no. how he read it. Yeah. But what I do like is that it's a very I mean my me and my buddy Mark were talking about it is that it's outsiders that has more of a universal effect it's limited it's a limited universal outsiders oh yeah meaning that you know outsiders you had to run somebody up and you just chose one person this one just says I'm not going to choose anybody but anybody comes at me you can't use any modifications and if I go at you you can't use any modifications which Correct. is huge which I think now, did they put a lot of competitive pieces with that trait? I would not say so. Morgan. Uh, Morgan's it. I mean, I can't think of any other weird world ones. But I do like some of their trait interactions. Uh, anyway, I can sit here and talk about the set. We don't know what the set's going to be like until we play it out. I think it's a, it's a right now on the edge set. It could be really good or it could be really just kind of mediocre with just a few pieces you like just because of the set the way it is right and i agree with that and it's such a uh character driven set kind of like the what if one you know oh you gotta want to love these variants you know well okay maybe maybe not but we'll see um anyway i think there's a lot of fun pieces in this and I mean, my personal favorites are the Spider Islands. I might be a little bit prejudiced because that's where the Hulk is in this one. But, I mean, at the same time, I think 
you know, going to my local and getting a couple of my players around if I can track them down, getting, you know, a couple of those Spider Island guys together and then either using a Spider Queen or a uh, a Spider-Man with his Baron trait, I think that would be a, a ton of fun. I think so, too. And I, I like that we're getting a lot of animals in this set, which is what animal needed, some more variety, uh, some flyers, really. That's what they needed. So, I don't know. I think it'd be fun. I think I think you're gonna have to see how it all works out. Compare, you know, we forgot about pieces. I forget about Dorky all the time. Um, King Shark, like you mentioned, just kind of thought nobody thinks about him. Um, and with this new object they're putting out that you can win at the WKO, if you go to WKO, you see the objects you can get. Yep, I mean, that's crazy. That's stupid crazy. The ability to equip a 12-point object, and you get to pick a speed power. Any speed power you want or attack power, I believe. I think that's what it says. I mean, yeah, and that's a participation prize. Yeah, so, I mean, that right there, if we start doing that and being able to give some different powers to pieces, throw that on that Nick Fury. Nick the Fury. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, he's got running shot, or he's got uh, hypersonic. Changes that piece totally competitively. Totally changes it. Just makes him kind of stupid. Or any figure that's missing a moving attack, the ability to add that to it, you know? Right. So, anyway, so do you have anything you want to add? I, I did have some questions from Malcolm, but Malcolm, I have to put them off. I will give you all the hint that he wants to talk about the new upcoming license with wrestling. Briefly, what do you think about that? See, and I used to watch wrestling when I did quite a while ago. And, you know, as some of my favorites retired, I retired from it. So I'm not up to date on that at all. But I would love to see some of the legends. I would too. Hulk Hogan, the Iron Sheik, uh, oh, the Road Warriors, all those. Oh, Ric Flair. That would be cool. Ric Flair. Kind of a banshee type guy. Woo! With his trick leg. That'd be cool with a trick leg. But we had a trick leg all the time. Uh, just bring back team bases and do either the NW or the Wolfpack. There you go. Little Kevin Nash or uh, who is the other guy? Scott? Ed Buff? Yeah, anyway. Golly, I, man, let's bring back some old good memories. All right. Uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, you know, I, I did not think the undead set would be that good. But, you know, I'm, I'm kind of sad that I didn't get more of it. And the Star Trek set, I wasn't sold on. But there's some pretty decent pieces I don't mind play out of it. So, you know, have to wait and see. Uh, That's about it. Yeah. So, all right. So, uh, do you have anybody you want to shout out to, John? Um. Just my locals and hoping that uh, we can get them back into the game. Um, my uh, my local venue for uh, supporting me. I mean, I've, it's been a rough year and the community for everything that they've done to, to help me through it. That's awesome. Hey, I'm just going to shout out to you. Like, yeah, had you on the program. That's awesome. Been wanting you on it. You know, it's a good job. Uh, great to have uh, a good friend come on, especially for episode 39. I jumped back into the podcasting. Uh, shout out to everybody that kind of contacts me and has helped me along the way. Uh, 
Mark, who we're getting ready to. I'll go ahead and tell you, we've already picked our boosters. It's a funny thing. Shout out to Mark. We're going to start playing our uh, sealed games that we always do. We picked our boosters, and funny thing was, he pulled a, the booster that we're going to play, our 2-12, and 12, in our first sealed match. And in his number two booster, he pulled a Sheriff Strange, and guess what I pulled in my number two booster? Sheriff Strange. We're going to have a little showdown between Sheriff Stranges. So that'll be pretty interesting to go. That should be fun, fun little duel. But yeah, and just shout out to all those people. Um, I'd like to remind everybody, email your content, comments and questions to lostinclicks at gmail.com or contact me on HE Realms under the idea of Colossus 10. Like your, our Facebook page, you can search Facebook by typing in at Heroclix Borderlands. Please rate and review the podcast under iTunes. They like that for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, love to hear your new ideas for teams yeah i i love to hear the ideas about this new win map and the new rock way it's gonna go um if you want any kind of help or want to play online uh you know what i i know how to do discord barely decently and i know roll 20 so we can try it out but uh just wishing everybody to have a good uh week do you want to say anything else john Hey, I've got a win a map coming up on November 3rd. It's win a case. Hope to see some people out for it. A winner brick, not a case. Win a brick. I, there you go, man. Win a case. People be like, all right, let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't talk, to, can't talk the owner into that, but it is going to yeah. be a win a brick. And it, is it constructed? It is going to be Rock Age, 400 points. All right, so break out some old figures. Rock Age, 400 points. Always good to break out those cool figures. Uh, so I would just say, everybody have a great day. Remember, continue to roll double sixes, because as long as you roll double sixes, you never miss. Peace out. Peace out.